on America Can We Talk. I talk about election integrity, border security, healthcare freedom, race relations, energy and tax policy, education policy, free speech and assembly, freedom of religion, and all other issues that touch on the God-given right of every American to life, liberty, and the pursuit of their version of happiness. Stay tuned. Coming up next, America Can We Talk with your host, Debbie Georgiatos. And hello and welcome to America Can We Talk. I'm Debbie Georgiatis. Today in our show, we're going to talk about a quick first five topic, United Nations and other globalists condemning America. I can't even wait to tell you this quick story. It's a very quick story, first five. Then we have joining us, Carissa Richardson. She is running for Texas State House. And we are really having uprising in Texas and really is similar occurring uh, to what's occurring around the country, conservatives standing up. So Carissa Richardson gonna join us. Uh, and then I'm gonna a little uh, spiel on Ron McDaniel, the RNC and Vivek, um, and, and Vivek, by the way, Ramaswamy, he said in one debate, my name is Vivek rhymes with cake. So that's how you say it, Vivek Ramaswamy. And what he had to say about Rana and the RNC, it speaks volumes about the Republican Party's weakness and failure to stand up. And finally, the FBI gets a lavish new headquarters because good behavior, of course. And I'll tell you why these stories matter to you. And a very quick first five today. You know, I saw these stories and I know that People could say, well, okay, there are a bunch of, you know, United Nations has always been kind of leftist, and all these international organizations funded by George Soros and Bill Gates, you know, of course they're left wing, but so what? But I want to tell you why. Two things that happened and what this so what is. Uh, to start with, the United Nations, um, whose uh, budget America largely supplies, um, has an organization, an entity within it, um, that is the Human Rights Commission. I believe that's the correct name. The UN Human Rights Committee. And they issued, sh I mean, a shocking denunciation of America in their recent, they took the temperature of America, they do this thing uh, where they analyze countries and their respect for alleged human rights. So they first praise Praise the Biden administration. They're so happy with them because they are advancing transgender rights, because they are trying to crack down on guns, because they're pushing abortion. These are the reasons the UN says, yay, America doing well. But that was just a little beginning of the report. After that, they launched into just the, the most astonishing, you know, mindless, uh, immoral attack, uh, lacking in morals attack on America. So they are, they don't like um, protection of free speech. Um, they want more protections on uh, abortion, more protections on killing babies. Uh, they want to fight, they want the uh, United States government to crack down on states that are trying to protect children from genital mutilation. And they also want America to get rid of the death penalty for murderers. But they run through a whole thing, a, a litany of things that they're describing as violations of inherent human rights, because they, after all, the UN uh, Committee on Human Rights, um, one of the largest, uh, and so um, among the things that are, are to critique about it, they assume, of course, that the federal government can just be told by the UN, hey, American government, do this, force all your states to do this, do this, not do this, don't allow this, because they have no concept of uh, what American federalism is. 
but on top of that, in very specific things, they're measuring human rights on the basis of the more access to tax-funded abortion without, without justification, without limits of any kind, that's a step forward for human rights, according to the UN Human Rights Committee. Um, they're very, very happy that the um, Respect for Marriage Act, uh, which involves you know, enshrining homosexual marriage into, into federal statute, they love this. Um, it goes to a whole litany of things, and you know, all it really is is left-wing ideology all dressed up fancy with the name United Nations. And normally you would say, well, okay, but the United Nations are so leftist, so we don't really care because they don't really control us. But you know, you really have to be careful about these kinds of things. I've been talking often on the show about the need to understand what the concept of sovereignty is. In America, and should be in every nation state on this planet, Individual countries make their own laws. They make their own laws, policies, and they have, for example, in America, we have federal, uh, you know, we have federal law, we have state law, we have distinctions between that, we have the concept of federalism. But when you're a leftist, as the UN is, is driven by leftism, they are on an agenda that just disregards any notion of the uniqueness of America, of our structure, of our constitution, our declaration, our laws. It's all about advancing a left-wing agenda. And United Nations, United Nations is overwhelmingly funded by America. We keep funding it, even though uh, they stand against everything we stand for, and they argue for things that we stand against. And you have the reason of more concern than usual is that it, than in past times is that United Nations is very bonded or wedded to the World Economic Forum view of the world, the globalist agenda. This is just a, a, a facet of the World Economic Forum massive globalist agenda. And the reason is especially alarming in America today is because we have many people on the anti-American left holding high positions of power in Washington, in federal bureaucracies, in the Congress, in the Senate, in the, in the massive bureaucracy of Washington, who actually agree with all these ideas and who don't have the notion of American sovereignty as a primary, you know, just, just invaluable and, and write the, a concept of, about America that can never be attacked. We have people in our country today, in our government, in positions of power, who think all of this is a good idea. That globalism, world economic form, is all a great idea. And so this is why there is a resurgence in America, around the country, and, and on this show for certain, a resurgence of the notion that America must understand what American sovereignty is, that America is a unique and extraordinary country because of the uniqueness of our founding ideas. And that's what made us the envy of the world. It made us the land of opportunity. It made us the most uh, powerful, robust, you know, quality of life ever imaginable. It's a place everyone still wants to come when they can. That's what America really is. And when we have people in our government who don't understand that. In fact, I, I, I meant to look up the year, I forgot to do it, but Hillary Clinton at one point, I think when she was Secretary of State, Hillary Clinton reported America to the United Nations. She reported us because and it was some issue, th it was, I think it was something about, I don't even know what it was. It was some, you know, some bizarre leftist concoction she came up with to say she wanted to report America. She believed we had violated some tenet of the United Nations. 
I'm just saying this, it matters who you elect. It matters who holds office. It matters what they believe about America, especially at the federal level. It matters if we elect people in the Congress, in the Senate, and in our, just all over in our country. Um, we have to understand and believe and embrace the idea. You have to elect people to run this country who absolutely grasp America's greatness and who believe in its sovereignty. Another quick story in this first five before I wrap it up here is, um, there are globalist groups, um, two of them, and they're funded by some of the you know criminals in this world. George Soros, uh, Open Society Foundations, who founds uh, he funds climate and community projects, CCP and Commonwealth. These are George Soros funded things. They have similar things uh, funded by um, uh, funded by well, George Soros funds a lot of them. Bill Gates funds uh, funds some of these too. But the CCP, which is not in this case the Chinese Communist Party, as I usually mean by CCP, this is actually the Climate and Community Project, which is funded um, uh, sponsored by the Tide Center which is funnels dark money given to it by its sister entity, Tide Fund, Tides Foundation, radical leftists, anti-American, have just come out with a new report. And so just to understand, I won't even go into the details of it, but just to understand, these are millions and billions of dollars being invested in these kind of George Soros organizations, putting out findings, putting out things that people that they, in, in left-wing world of America, these are viewed as valid and legitimate things we should be listening to. They put out a report, I am not joking, that the United States military must be defunded because of climate change. I'm not kidding. They're actually saying the U.S. military is responsible for so much damage to the client, climate that we simply must have U.S. military shut down. And before they're shut down, they must pay $106 billion in climate reparations. And then they want the British military to throw in $5 billion. So they've got $111 billion they want to be put into a global super fund to be used to help countries affected by climate change. As you know, if you listen to the show very often and all the experts I've had on, climate change alarmism is hogwash. We do not have a climate emergency. We don't have danger coming from CO2. CO2 is not a danger. It actually helps our planet. We do not have any impending climate emergency at all. Climate alarmism is false. It is fake. And yet it has so embedded itself into left-wing thinking that George Soros-funded massive international organizations are putting out with a straight face. It wasn't like they, at the end they said, never mind, we're just joking. Straight face. Yeah, we think the U.S. military should be defunded because after all, you know, they're uh, contributing to climate change. And before they do, give us $111 billion. If you have been sucked into the lunacy of climate change alarmism, I urge you to go on our website, americacanwetalk.org, americacanwetalk.org, scroll back, you'll find two recent shows with excellent, amazing experts who present data and facts of all things. Uh, one expert was Jason Isaac. He's with the Texas Public Policy Foundation. He has massive, wonderful data on this subject. The other expert we had recently was Mark Morano. I think it's M-O-R-A-N-O. And he is another brilliant expert. Spent a whole Thursday show running through the actual facts about climate change. There's no climate emergency. And you know, this kind of, what I'm saying, I'm, I understand if I were to say this in some left-wing coffee shop someplace, you'd be looked at as though I said, you know, the Martians are running the UN or something. But it's true, there is no climate emergency. And yet that has been so embedded left-wing thought that you have these people actually suggesting with a straight face that the US military should, so, to, should close down 
No reason we need a military. I mean, no, no dangers in our world. Um, shut down because of climate change. And I'll wrap up the, up the first five, which is more than five, as it always is. Wrap up the first five by saying this. It matters on the conservative patriotic side to be informed, to have facts, to be able, and, and to have the willingness to stand up and speak up about those facts, to not just know them, say, oh, this is good, I'm not so worried now, climate change isn't a problem. It matters that you spread these things, you spread these truths about the lunacy of the UN, the lunacy of the climate agenda, because that's what's going to take to, among the many things it's going to take to preserve America. And that, my very fine friends, is today's First Five. We have a guest joining us. Her name is Carissa Richardson. And I will tell you that before we bring her on, she's running for Texas State House. And we have battles, we have primaries in Texas and probably all over the country. Uh, the state houses have primary challengers to many of the incumbents. We have primary challengers uh, in this state, in Texas, uh, to Republican. We have Republican majority in every place in Texas government, but in the Texas State House. And we have numerous primary challengers because some people are not happy with how the Texas House is run and how what outcomes, what policies get advanced, what policies pass, and what policies don't. Before I bring her on, I'll just tell you that. So um, over the weekend, we had I had a good friend of ours um, who's moved to Houston, but she came up for the weekend, stayed at our house, and she actually went to a fundraiser for this candidate, Carissa Richardson. And I will tell you that state rep level, you know, races. There are so many going on in Texas, or even in North Texas where I live. Many races going on, and so people kind of, you know, you, you're kind of hit up all the time. Write a check for this. Write a check for this. So my friend, staying at her house, went to this event. We had another event we had to go to. But she came home and she said, I've never seen a state rep fundraiser like this. State representative fundraiser for Carissa Richardson, 150 people easily, easily. And it was just full of enthusiasm and excitement. So that made me more excited about this candidate. So I'd like to welcome to the show, Carissa Richardson. Thank you, Debbie. I appreciate it very much. We had a great time last Thursday night. We actually had over 200 people there, and it was a rainy, rainy night, so we didn't know what to expect, but it was a wonderful event. Lots of enthusiasm, huge amount of support. I was very blessed. I, I just love it. And you know, I, I forgot to mention, if you uh, or when you win this, you will be my state rep. This is my district. Yes. I'm just telling you. Okay, so so yes. you, if you would, um, because I just our audience needs to know a little bit about you. Just give us a quick background on your life. Like, what, why is, why are you running for state rep? But leading up to that, what what have you been doing in your life up till now? Sure. So I have been an entrepreneur for 40 years. My husband and I own several businesses in Texas, offices in San Antonio and Austin in the Fort Worth Dallas area. So 40 years of, um, you know, making payroll, meeting a budget you know, just knowing how to balance a budget and run a business and do what it takes. And so uh, I've never before run for public office. I've always worked behind the scenes to put godly men and women in office. And I never felt that, that I was the one who needed to be in the forefront. It's not about me. It's about the people. It's about the constituents. But at this particular important time in Texas history, we are losing Texas, we are losing our nation. And as a mother and a grandmother and business owner, I felt like I had to step up because um, we have an incumbent that I disagree with in many, many ways. And I feel like he must be replaced. And all over the state, we're having this surge of primaries to replace those who are in Austin and bring in new blood, bring in new conservatives to take back the House of Representatives. The House is in a mess. 
There's so much corruption down there. Senate's doing a good job. The House is in a mess. So I feel like we had this short moment in time that we can go down with a lot of new conservatives and instill a conservative, real Republican Speaker of the House, take over our committees and put real Republicans in charge of those committees instead of Democrats and get the good legislation out. We keep sending people to Austin and nothing's getting done. We're on our fourth special session. And what do we have? We have Democrats and Republicans not showing up. So there's no quorum present and no work's getting done. And that costs the taxpayers millions of dollars every time we have to call a special session. We shouldn't ever have to call a special session. We should do the job while we're there. So I'll stop ranting and let you ask me a question. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was a great answer. It's great. I'll remind our listeners, because we're not going to review the story again, but in Texas, part of the problem is in the Texas State House, that the Speaker of the House, this has been going on for 20 years in Texas or more, I think it's 20 years, the, tech, the Speaker of the House, enormous power to assign bills to committees, enormous power to designate the chair of committees. And in the Texas House, the way our Speaker of the House, even though Republicans have the majority, House and Senate, we've had a process which is corrupt, which is the Democrat elected officials band together, they select a Republican they can control, and they say to him, we'll back you for Speaker, find your 10, 11, 12, whatever it is, Republicans, that you can bring on board to join us. So essentially, the Democrats are picking the Speaker of the House, and therefore they're picking the chairman of the committees, and therefore they are controlling what legislation ever even gets to the floor of the House. This is a Democrat. They have built a dam, essentially, to, to dam up the process of bills going through. And, and every time this is discussed, and every time we have primaries, Republican House members or Republican candidates say, oh, well, I'm not going to do that. And they do. They keep doing it over and over and over. And this has been in fact, if you didn't see this show, uh, I don't know when it was, but you could look at our website, americacommunitytalk.org. We have Michael Quinn Sullivan on the show. He did the film, the short uh, documentary. Um, what's it called again? The, um, the Heist, The Texas Heist. Yeah. The Texas Heist. And it is a great summary pointing out that this is what happens. This is why Republican uh, majority issues don't get solved in the, in the Texas State House, because the Democrats run the House, even though the Republicans have the majority. So if you had to name your three top issues that are driving you to go down there, do you, and that's, I don't know if you have three in mind, there are three or four top issues, what are they? Well, there are more than three, but my mantra is Texans fight. And so Texans need to fight for the border and Texans need to fight for children. So that encompasses, you know, gender identity, it encompasses uh, education, many things, but, but we've got to fight for our children. And then Texans need to fight for Texans, for other Texas issues. So uh, Texans fight, we want you to join the movement. Uh, I intend to get down there and fight for the constituency. And so I don't want to be a lobbyist, I want to be a representative, listen to the people, vote the way the people want me to vote. And that's what we have missing. I mean, right now, the Senate is doing a decent job. Senate has passed funding for the border. It came out of the Senate, House hasn't done a thing. Resolving deportations of illegal aliens. Actually, the Senate passed that, House has done nothing. Building the border wall, Senate passed it, House has done nothing. On education, the uh, Senate passed educational funding, House nothing. Educational savings accounts, Senate passed it, House has done nothing. Uh, teacher pay raise, the Senate passed it, House has done nothing. 
and the safety of our public schools. The Senate passed it, the House has done nothing. So you can tell the House is a mess. And the only way we can fix it is to send new people down there because the people we got are not voting correctly the will of the constituency. Yeah, I love that point, the will of the constituency, because, you know, that is a whole premise of representative government, is that when you are a candidate and you go tell people, I believe in this, I don't like this, I'll do this, and so people think, oh yeah, I like that candidate, I like this woman, this man, and they go down there and don't do it, the people don't have representation, they don't have what they bargained for, they don't have what the Constitution uh, says they're supposed to have. So, um, on the border, children, and, and basically defending Texas, on the border fight, um, I know we have many people saying, well, you know, we're doing something, you know, Governor Abbott did something or other. I mean, is, it, is, is the border at the point you think we just have to pull out all the stops and, and put more money into it? What is it? What's going to fix the border problem? Uh, it's not the money. It's not the money. We passed a $4 billion, $4.1 billion, I think it was, um, for the border. And that document, SB1, House Bill, uh, Senate Bill 1, is 1,000 pages long. So I've been digging into it and trying to find out where $4 billion went. And it went to the strangest places, Texas Parks and Wildlife Commission, um, Department of Transportation, all these weird things. It's not building a wall. So after spending $4 billion, what did Texans get for that money? Not much. And now we've, they're proposing another $5 billion. Where's that money gonna go? I mean, it needs to be specific build the wall, deport the illegal aliens. Exactly. I mean, specific things. And these bills are just so massive and so vague. It's very difficult to, um, to decipher what's really going on. So I'm in the process of working through that. Uh, I don't have all the answers. I wish I could say that I did, but I am, I am looking for the proper answers. And I know that those particular items, you know, we got to build the wall and we, we have to resolve the deportations and, and we do have to fund that. But but where's the rest of this money going? I, I, I can't figure it out. So I'm working on it. Speaking of, yes, yeah, speaking of money, you know, on the subject of protecting children, I, I saw, I, I don't have it today, but I saw, you know, it seems like the vast majority of Americans understand that uh, genital mutilation of children is probably a bad idea. And it's probably a bad idea to inject children who are going through a confused phase at elementary, junior, or even high school age uh, with hormones and other treatments that will alter them for life. Most parents, people understand this, and yet the gender mutilation industry has just skyrocketed. What I was wishing I had, I, I, there was a chart online that said 20 years ago, the number of hospitals and treatment centers in America that would do gender uh, mutilation of children, you know, or, and, I'm, and people want you to say, well, it's uh, gender affirming care. No, it's not, it's gender, but anyway, you know, in 20 years ago, it was, I don't even know, maybe 10 centers in the whole country, and then the US map, the comparative map at the bottom, it's its dozens and dozens of places. It's sick to think it, but it's a money-making thing. It's a money-making yeah. thing for doctors and for big pharma, for other entities that provide counseling or actually do the surgery. It's a, it's a growth industry uh, that, that is preying on children and money plays a big part. You agree? Uh, absolutely, follow the money. I mean, really any issue, follow the money. And you'll see just like the COVID vaccines, you know, big pharma, the pharmacies made billions and billions of dollars. 
didn't save a lot of lives, but they made billions of dollars. So it's the same exact thing. They're taking advantage of children. And, and that, as a grandma, that really ticks me off. So we've got to protect our children. You know, as a woman, women's sports, that they've worked so hard all these years to be able to participate in women's sports and get scholarships, and all of a sudden we're letting the men take over? Where, where's the women's rights movement now? Are they standing up for these women who are losing their scholarships and having to compete with males? No, they're suddenly silent. So, yes, follow the money. Yeah. I, I'm a little bit, I'm not laughing, but I mean, the women's rights movement would say, we are standing for women. This guy over here who is fully anatomically male, he thinks he's a woman. Who are we to say he's not? I mean, they're, they're out of touch with reality and they'll keep affirming lunacy lies because he says he's a woman and it's just it's the politically correct thing to think to say these days that whatever your gender whatever you declare your gender to be is what you are and it just it's i mean it takes voices of strength and clarity and certainty and and truth followers just to say sorry i'm sorry he's confused and he may need uh, mental health counseling but he does yeah. not need um he does not need certainly as a especially as a minor does not need the state permitting or enabling him to engage in disfiguring uh, surgeries and and life come life outcome changing uh, treatments because he's going through a confused phase. We, we we don't play that game with him. Okay, so I want to make sure. So Carissa, you are running in this primary here in the great state of Texas. The primary is March fifth. So wherever yes. you are in America, you should know when your primary is, and you can't wait till the day before the primary to think, wait, who's running? Find out who your state rep is, and, and whether you like him or her, and who else is running, a little bit of education, because in this particular case, our the, uh, the center of gravity in the Texas Republican House could change if a series of conservatives came along and replaced the people who go along with the Democrat policies that, Phelan push, that our House Speaker pushes through, and so things could really, people keep saying, what can I do? What things might, how can I make things change? This is a great one. Learn who your, uh, your representative is, learn who you're, who's running, who's your primary challenge, what they stand for. Be ready when the primary comes. So Chris, if people want to find you on social media or how do they find you? Yes, my website is carissa4texas.com, F-O-R, carissa4texas.com. Um, again, our mantra is Texas Fight, so we have TexasFight.com. We have we have other websites, but uh, Carissa Richardson for HD61, and the website with all that information um, is Carissa for Texas. Okay, and you know, actually, anyone listening, you can go on that website. I'm sure you'd learn more about her policies and on a wide range of issues. You can endorse on your website, I assume, right? Yes, please. Yes, please. You know, I got to tell you, folks, it helps um, because this is my district and so there is an incumbent. And this is what happens that uninformed voters, they go, if they haven't spent any time paying attention, they go in on primary voting day. They say, oh, yeah, this, I think this is our guy. I've heard of him before, which is not the same as informed voting. And so uh, before your primary arrives, ours is March 5th. I don't know when yours is, but every, all around the country. But you know, go in, find out. And if you like what you're hearing from CarissaForTexas.com, you can endorse there, send a message. Because endorsements, you might think, what difference does that make? But if Carissa and, and other strong conservative uh, primary challengers have a, 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 a you know, rock-solid showing of people endorsing, it changes the dynamics. It wakes people up. Like, wow, something must be going on here. So one last thing, quick, tell us about, you know, anything you want to say, a closing shot about why people got to get out and vote to save Texas. 
Well, again, we had this one moment in time, this one opportunity when people are awake and we must take this opportunity now to save Texas. We must take back Texas. If we lose Texas, we lose the country. And this is very important. Collin County, Williamson County, very important. So I just want people to understand the gravity of the situation. We can't roll over and play dead. We have to fight. Texansfight.com. Thank you. Thank you. And thank you, Carissa. I know you have a very busy schedule in your campaign. So thank you for taking time to join us today. It's been great, Debbie. Thank you for this opportunity. Thank you, ma'am. Okay, well, we'll we'll be back and talking to her because, first of all, it's been my state rep uh, for one thing. Uh, but I'll tell you again: the 150 people showing up at a primary challenger's uh, fundraiser early on, and we're only you know early November here, mid-November, and the thing is not till March. This is this is the energy that that you we feel in Texas. People really want to shake up the Texas State House and stop having the Democrats run the Texas State House. Okay, I'm gonna do two quick things before I turn to my other uh, stories. One is I want to mention again to all of all of you to check out brighteon.tv. I'm gonna spell it B-R-I-G-H-T-E-O-N, brighteon.tv. Brighteon TV and Brighteon Radio carries this show, America Can We Talk? And they do this. This is an organization. You know, sometimes you hear all these names of organizations, you read about them online, and you, you can sometimes forget there are real people behind these things and the real people behind Brideon TV are just they are lovers of freedom lovers of free speech respecters of the right of free speech these are people who give the opportunity to shows like mine that are not on you know major news network that are just they, they are voices of truth around this country and there are other people doing what I'm doing but Brideon TV carries this show, and what that does, it allows people just kind of floating around online, or they heard of Brideon once, and they come across a whole range of great shows of people who are serious and substantive and talking about saving this country, because that's what really the bottom line political issue is in every race in this country, is saving America. So I check out Brideon.tv, and thank you to them for carrying this show. Um, I also want to mention the music I do at the start of this show is by Krista Branch. It's I Am America. And someday I'm going to remember to do this, to put the words to that song, I Am America, up on our um, website, americacanwetalk.org. We have a blog section of our website. I want to put the words up because they are stellar words and they really are, they are the theme of this show that Whoever stands up, speaks up, gets involved, gets engaged, we define America. We don't stay home and let the politicians or our political opponents or loudmouth leftists define America. If we want to be part of the, not just a political conversation, but part of the energy and passion of saving this country, you know, we, we have to believe for ourselves, we shape America. We are America truly important. So uh, anyway, so Krista Branch uh, lets me use her music and she asked me when she told me I could use it, uh, please mention me once in a while. I try to mention her quite a bit. Krista Branch, fabulous singer um, and, and just, uh, just music and many of the songs she did are just stellar in the deep concepts that they, they uh, convey uh, through the lyrics. Okay, so I want to tell you, I call the next thing Rana, the RNC and Vivek's take. So Mr. Ramaswamy, who is running for president, his first name is V-I-V-E-K, and in one of the debates he said, to help with the pronunciation of his name, Vivek rhymes with cake. 
So Vivek Ramaswamy had um, in, a, in one of the RNC debates, now again, the RNC Republican National Committee is putting on debates to showcase people who are running for the uh, nomination uh, for president in the Republican side. and. Um, they always have a minimum criteria you have to meet. It changes for each debate, but it's, I think it's number of unique donors and number of endorsers or something. is a formula they use, and it changes for each one. So the most recent debate, um, and, and Donald Trump, you know, easily could qualify for any of these RNC-sponsored debates. He chooses not to do them. He's, you know, he gathers more any place he goes, more followers, more listeners, more crowd, more supporters uh, than and all these candidates, other candidates put together, and they know it, and he knows it. In any case, the RNC had a debate, and uh, Vivek Ramaswamy uh, talked about a really important point. Um, I think the question that had been lobbed to him was, um, why do you think you're the candidate we should choose among these, I don't know, I think it was five people in this debate. I want to play for you what he had to say, and then we'll talk about it. I think there's something deeper going on in the Republican Party here, and I am upset about what happened last night. We've become a party of losers at the end of the day. We have a cancer in the Republican establishment. Let's speak the truth. I mean, since Ronna McDaniel took over as chairwoman of the RNC in 2017, we have lost 2018, 2020. 2022, no red wave that never came. We got trounced last night in 2023. And I think that we have to have accountability in our party. For that matter, Ron, if you want to come on stage tonight, you want to look the GOP voters in the eye and tell them you resign, I will turn over my, yield my time to you. And frankly, look, the people there are cheering for losing in the Republican Party. Think about who's moderating this debate. This should be Tucker Carlson, Joe Rogan, and Elon Musk. We'd have 10 times the viewership asking questions that GOP primary voters actually care about and bringing more people into our party. You think the Democrats, I and mean, we've got Kristen Welker here, you think the Democrats would actually hire Greg Gutfeld to host a Democratic debate? They wouldn't do it. And so the fact of the matter is, I mean, Kristen, I'm going to use this time because this is actually about you in the media and the corrupt media establishment ask you the Trump-Russia collusion hoax that you pushed on this network for years. Was that real or was that Hillary Clinton made up disinformation? Answer the question. Go. Mr. Ross. This is how we get our country back. We need accountability because this media rigged the 2016 election. They rigged the 2020 election with the Hunter Biden laptop story. Mr. And they're going to rig this election. Your time is up. Accountability. Let me turn That's to Governor, Governor Christie. Why you? Okay. That was, among, that was the best core of the night. Probably of the month, maybe of, I don't know, half, the last half year. This and what Vivek Ramaswamy had to say at the RNC debate is what millions and millions of Americans are saying about number one, the Republican National Committee. Why do five candidates running to get the Republican voting base to choose them to be the candidate for president have to be subjected to questioning by left-wing media in this country that spends all this time trying to malign, ridicule, mock, and, and put down any conservative thought, any conservative candidate. I mean, the, whether they put a smile on their face when they go, oh yes, I'm an esteemed uh, long-term journalist reporter. These people are leftists and everyone understands they're leftists. And so when you're the RNC and you're in charge of showcasing your candidates and trying to convince more and more Americans to embrace a Republican worldview, to embrace a Republican party, to, to vote Republican, and you put your candidates out in front of people you know know, unless you are asleep at the wheel, you know they are not your friends. They are going to, whether it is overt mockery or whether it is subtle undercutting by the 
kinds of questions they pose, the way they say, the way they respond, they are trying to mock the Republican Party. And his notion, I like that, Elon Musk, Tucker Carlson, and Joe Rogan, those could be, they could be the three who do their every single remaining debate, if they're willing to do it for the RNC, every single remaining debate. But his point too, um, so that's a great point. RNC all by itself, why are they choosing leftists to uh, feature our Republican candidates? The second thing though, he ran through the number of losses that have occurred uh, that the Republicans have suffered uh, under Ronna McDaniel's leadership, 2018, 2020, 2022, 2023. That's four elections where the Republicans do not shine through. And just think about this, the 2022 election and the 2023 election both happened after America had its eyes open about how lunatic the Biden, the Obama Biden administration is. Biden isn't running anything. Everyone knows it. Obama's pulling the strings. There are probably other people besides Obama. I don't know. George Soros, whoever it is, it's not Biden. But whoever's running this place, this country, is being run by leftists. And so you have you have our country watching the border abandoned, intentionally abandoned, will not enforce it. You're seeing the destruction of financial freedom through the just you know, steamroller of central bank digital currency. You're not gonna have your cash anymore. You won't have control of your money. It's all digital. They're gonna have control of your life. They're using climate change to justify taking away your freedom. I mean, this, these UN things I was talking about at the start of this show and also the private uh, mammoth international organizations funded by left-wing lunatics. They're all about talking about, we just got to take away fossil fuels. We can't have people driving cars. They tout as an example, an agenda, a goal to have fewer people owning cars and, and moving around in the country because this will lead to transit equity, transit equity. I'm getting at the left is destroying the country. Everyone awake can see it. And yet the Republicans couldn't pull out victories, couldn't pull out after Biden you know, took over, occupied the White House in 2021. We, we could not take over 2022, 2023. And I will say a great deal of the problem in 2022 and 2023 has to do with election fraud. I do think the majority of Americans actually vote with the Republicans. In fact, I feel, I feel very confident saying that. The majority of Americans despise what the Biden team is doing to this country. They want their country back. And so the only thing that can explain the mess of the 2022 and 2023 elections is election fraud. And there is mountains of evidence. I cannot get that to that today, but I will get to the story about the evidence of election fraud, recent things coming to light. Fulton County has a huge issue now. Uh, the Kentucky governor's race is super questionable. Many other things, it was 2023. Election fraud is a big, a big piece of it. But even that, if you're in charge of the RNC and you can see that election fraud, if you just look at the evidence, is rampant, it ought to be goal number one to fix election fraud, to fight for election integrity, to demand that we get rid of all of the avenues and means by which the left steals elections. Look, people have known for decades that Democrats cheat. I mean, I suppose there are some Republicans that cheat, but overwhelmingly, it's just standard operating procedure in elections in America. Democrats will cheat if you let them because it all goes back to their mentality. It goes back to their worldview, which is they are entitled to rule. They are meant to rule whatever means necessary. They get in office and they take charge, and then they're going to shut down your freedom. This is how leftists think. That's why they are okay with uh, questionable election tactics. 
Ronna McDaniel as the head of the RNC. If you want to say, you know, well, she can't stop everything. No, but at some point, if she's not winning elections, give somebody else a chance to do that. And I say that in particular, I'll tell you a quick thing about football. It relates to football. Um, I was talking to my husband about this today. So my husband and I were first dating, uh, and he's a super, he's a big sports guy. He loves football and basketball. You know, we're a big sports family. It's great. We have a couple of sons. They, you know, they love football too, and they love sports too. And so we were talking early on. We were, I think we were dating or early married, but anyway, he was talking about some game he'd seen in this college coach had just lost game after game, you know, and my husband's saying, well, you know, they're going to fire him, you know, they got to fire that coach, get a new one. And I, my, I'm a little bit Pollyanna at that point, I just said, well, I mean, the coach is, you know, he's not abusing them and he's showing up and he's not drunk at work and he's trying. So you, you can't fire him just because he's losing. And my, my husband said, of course you can. It's the entire point of being the coach. Yes, you instill values and morals and athleticism and all those great qualities tied to sports. At the end of the day, if you're the coach and your team never wins, you don't get to be the coach anymore because the goal is ultimately to win. It's the same thing in the Republican Party. You can hold nice, beautiful conventions. You can hold happy meetings of the RNC. You can do all sorts of nice things and you can and sit in that office of the RNC and, and pass money around as RNC chair. At the end of the day, if you're never winning, you need to go. You need to go. I think, think Vivek Ramaswamy's point was right. Ronald McDaniel needs to go. I'll tell you one more thing about Ronald McDaniel then before I turn to, I want to tell you briefly about my campaign. I'm running for RNC committee woman for Texas. I'm not running against Ronald McDaniel. I'm not running for RNC chair. I'm running for RNC committee woman for Texas, a member of the RNC. But before I get to that, one more story that occurred very, very recently that has to do with the, just that, that lack of fight. In fact, our guest earlier today, um, who, Carissa Richardson running for Texas State House, she's got a slogan, you know, Texas fight, fight already. So this is the most amazing thing just happened like in the last week. So the Republican candidates who are still in the race for, beside Donald Trump, who's kind of doing his own campaign, but the other Republican candidates being courted by the RNC running for president, they were invited to participate in a forum the day after Thanksgiving in Iowa, and the group was called, I have a name right here, the group was called, um, it's, it was a Christian-sponsored event, family, the family leader, the family leader. It was in um, Iowa. It was to be a day after Thanksgiving forum, inviting all the Republican candidates to come and be, and, and be at this event. And so the RNC got wind of it, and they sent a letter out. It says Ronald McDaniel's RNC sent a letter out to the Republican candidates telling them, essentially, um, you know, we have reviewed this, and this is a violation of your contract uh, with the RNC because you are participating in a debate outside of, and here it is, is come to the attention of the RNC's counsel's office that several Republican presidential candidates have been invited to participate in an open press event in Iowa in November at which they would gather around the table to have a moderated, friendly, and open discussion about the issues. In other words, say they, a debate. So they were threatening. They, they, the letter ended saying, if you Republican candidates participate in this Iowa lovely thing, family leader, you know, family-oriented Christian event in Iowa the day after Thanksgiving, if you participate in that, you can't be part of any more RNC debates. So what happened? Um, so Governor DeSantis, his, he answered first, I think, just said, um, I, I'm doing it. I'm going to Iowa the day after Thanksgiving. I'm doing it. 
I think Ramaswamy said that, and somebody else did too, one of the other, other candidates. And the point is that the RNC, after about, I don't know, 24 hours to think about it, said, you know, on second thought, never mind, uh, this isn't a debate, it's a discussion, so it's okay. What I'm getting at is it's an example of the mindset, the, the completely off-track, clueless, bad instincts mindset of the RNC. You have Republicans in the state of Iowa, which you would like to win, invited to come and speak, and you try to assert some nitpicky, well, this the contract says you can't do this, so you can't do this, or otherwise you never can. I mean, it's just so short-sighted, ignorant, impossibly just ridiculous. So because the candidates basically told Rana and the RNC, uh, you know what, we're going to do the debate anyway, and then RNC changed their minds. Okay, never mind. Of course you're going to do this. Go right ahead. We we'll just won't call it a debate. I'm just saying it is a just tone-deaf lack of instinct on the part of the RNC to even think about telling the RNC can the presidential candidates you can't go talk to a bunch of lovely Christian families in Iowa the day after Thanksgiving. Which leads me, I want to tell you, I am running, I am a candidate at this time, I'm running for RNC committee woman from Texas. And uh, every anyone in the country um, who, if you watch my show, if you like my show, I urge you to go to my website. And I think Mr. Amina has this ready to show you. I'll just show you so you can see what it looks like. So my website is Debbie G for RNC. And see how it rhymes? It's really good. Debbie G and the digit four, Debbie G for RNC.com. I think if you spell out Debbie G for RNC.com, it also goes there as well. But I want you to take a screenshot of this. I am running for RNC committee woman from Texas. Please check out my website for the campaign. Please consider endorsing me at that website and consider donating to support my campaign. Thank you from me, Debbie Georgiatis. I want, we're going to hold on to that slide and use it many times um, over the next um, months because our, our vote in Texas for the RNC committee woman happens in May. So this is a campaign that goes through May. But I want to you can come back to me now. I want to tell you why um, I think this is so important, the kind of things I'm talking about today. The RNC should be in, in the driver's seat at this time in America. We have, we have dangerous policies just exuding from the left. We have you know, election fraud out the wazoo. We have an uncontrolled border. We have the, the ongoing um, effeminization of the military, the weakening of America's military, the failure to fund, the failure to... The military can't even recruit people anymore because it's come, become a sociology class to discuss pronoun preferences instead of the fighting force it needs to be. We have the left capitulating American sovereignty to the World Health Organization over pandemics and over climate if you didn't know that, and over uh, endangered species. We have the American government in this, in this time with Democrat control of Washington, we have capitulation of America's sovereignty to the World Health Organization. I am sure they're going to respond to this United Nations condemnation uh, with some, don't worry, we'll fix everything, don't be mad at us kind of stuff. The spirit of America is strong and, and, and vibrant in this country. The RNC is it should be in the in the driver's seat, saying we're gonna we're gonna harness this great energy of patriotism, and we're gonna draw, we're gonna put the message out of who we are, what we stand for, and instead the RNC is into business as usual, nitpicking over a contract, hiring enemies of our party to be on the national stage questioning our candidates. We just we need new leadership in the RNC, and Texas needs a new RNC committee woman. 
I want to be that committee woman. I urge you to go to that website. Anyone listening, you can go to that website. You can read my positions on everything. I made it very thorough, very substantive. You can also endorse. You do not have to be a resident of Texas to endorse. I have several out-of-state prominent endorsements, and I'm very, very grateful for them. Serious, substantive thinkers, national security experts, uh, people of all, uh, I mean, who are wide range of national level thought leaders endorsing my campaign, as well as dozens and dozens of Texans, the ones who listen to my show, the ones who are given speeches all over the state, the ones who understand we, the people in Texas, the actual grassroots Texans are not being represented but in the RNC, by our, with our current representation there, I'm running for RNC committee woman. That vote is the end of May. I urge you to go to that website, consider endorsing. You can certainly consider donating because I've got to start traveling all over the great state of Texas, um, which is a huge state and costs a lot of money. So I'd love to have you if you want to consider donating, but at least consider endorsing if you like this show. Endorsing, bringing my energy and passionate patriotism up to the RNC. Okay, one last quick story for today. Um, I called FBI gets lavish new headquarters because good behavior. And on the subject of just where's the fight in our party, I will remind you before I get to the story, the FBI is no friend of patriots, no friend of Republicans, no friend of conservatives. The FBI continues, I mean, just this week, they're continuing the FBI sending out hit squads against American citizens. I mean, you would think these people were, you know, smugglers of dangerous weapons or something, beating, breaking down doors of people who were in Washington on January 6, 2021, most of whom did nothing wrong who are still being doors broken down, showing up with you know 15 or 20 officers with big guns, scaring the daylights out of these people, all for showing up in, uh, on January 6th to exercise their lawful right to protest to uh, the freedom of assembly, which is protest, which is marches, freedom of speech, and they are being threatened. And they're often actually experiencing the result of their um, persecution. They're going to jail or to prison over this. So you have an FBI can't seem to figure out any reason to investigate the communist-funded Black Lives Matter or Antifa as they tore America apart in 2020, tore it apart. And it, all of that orchestrated by the Chinese Communist Party, organized, orchestrated by communists in this country, and that we've been over that in the show many times, and yet the FBI can't even think of a good reason to do a, almost a darn thing about those cases. But every single American, even those peacefully standing on public property in Washington, outside the Capitol are being threatened with decades in prison. I mean, that FBI, that same FBI, who going back several years, but still they've been left wing in their, in their orientation, they've, they've been working for the left for a long time, back at the time that the uh, Democrats complained uh, that the Russians hacked the, the DNC's computers. You remember that? Russians hacked the DNC computers, and that's how all of the WikiLeaks stuff came out, and actually everyone, Many people doubt that story. I do not think that story is what happened. The DNC never allowed the FBI to examine their servers. The only person who looked and examined the uh, DNC servers was a, an, or a corporation that's made up of other leftists, a private entity, other leftists, 
who, who were given the opportunity. They quick looked in and uh, said, nope, uh, you know, DNC's got it right. This is Russia hacking. FBI doesn't bother checking. FBI, I mean, these people, they give the left gets a break. You look at the conduct of Hillary Clinton and, the, and, and I mean, scores of things you could mention about her. The FBI cannot be bothered to go after anyone on the left, but they want to go after conservatives who showed up in Washington to protest. The FBI's behavior just on the issue of January 6th is enough that has justified many, many conservatives to say, when the Republicans are back in power, conservatives in power in the White House and the Senate and the Congress, we need to have a major, major cleaning out, a major dismantling of the FBI and the DOJ. FBI is a bureau under the Department of Justice. You know, it's I don't know if it's technical or not, but DOJ is a department, the FBI's a bureau underneath the department, but massive, massive cleaning out needed, just massive. So you think as the weaponization of the federal government at the hands of Joe Biden and Obama continues, the, the weaponized FBI going after conservatives and Republicans uh, and just can't seem to think of anything they could possibly do about the left-wing organizations that are actual danger to our country. So that FBI, has been wanting new headquarters. They want a new headquarter building. They wanted millions and millions funded to have a new headquarters building. So they had a bill in Congress to say, you know, we're gonna fund this new $300 million headquarters um, outside of Washington, DC. They have actually decided to build it in Maryland, instead of Virginia, but whatever. Um, in any case, so the FBI has wanted this for a long time. 300, they started last fall that they were asking for this uh, money allotted to have a new FBI headquarters built. So it is a, I mean, you talk about just empowering the police state. That, I mean, what the left has done through the FBI alone, it is, that's what is a police state is. When you have, people are afraid, they don't want to say anything because they, they don't want to do a protest. You all know, if we had an election next year and they claim now Biden now got, you know, 100 million votes, who knew? Do you think anyone's gonna dare protest? No one is going to even think of speaking up because of what the FBI did to those people who protested in Washington January 6, 2021. So Republicans have a slim majority in the House. It's not much, but it's a slim majority. And the FBI wants more money to, to build up their police state, to build up their massive, massive headquarters, new headquarters, $300 million. And we haven't done any cleaning out of the FBI. We have Christopher Wray testifies in front of Congress half the time, and he just, he, I mean, he seems to exude dishonesty. He can sit there with a straight face and say, well, it was a very reasonable decision to do this, but not this. And so when this new headquarters bill came up, um, you would think a lot of Republicans would say, you know what, we're going to clean out the FBI first. You don't need new headquarters, bigger buildings, more offices, more room to hire more people, room to have more people working. You know, you don't really need this. The FBI is kind of on our um, danger list now. But no, that's not what happened. They actually, 70, 70 Republicans went along to reward the FBI to vote yes on this new FBI headquarters, $300 million. I mean, it's exactly the opposite that you would do if you really were concerned about the FBI's behavior, where, where it's taking America, their conduct toward American citizens. You would not be funding the FBI to have a bigger office, bigger headquarters. You just wouldn't do that. 
But there you go. That's what they are doing. So that 70 Republicans went along. Uh, and this new FBI headquarters, which, as I mentioned, will now be in Maryland, is planned for Maryland, is twice the size of the Pentagon. Now, I went to law school in Washington, D.C. We lived in Washington, D.C. Everyone knows who's ever been near there. The Pentagon's outside of Washington, but still, it's right, right there in the big uh, metroplex. So they, it's just outside it. The Pentagon is a city. It is massive. It is a massive, massive place. And I'm kind of okay with that when the because I really want the Pentagon. I want them to have a real military and actually be in charge of, and building strong troops and doing all the things that preparing America so we can defend ourselves against all the crazy powers in the world. In any case, the new FBI headquarters is twice the size of the Pentagon. And I mean it's symbolic of the police state place that we are. We are we have our own government funding a massive new building. And, and a, it just it, it symbolizes this growth of the police state, growth of government-controlled society, growth of the power of the federal government, and the little guy, the average citizen, and even the, the states, they cower under, they lose power, they lose freedom as the federal government expands itself. This is a very dangerous trend toward America, for America, uh, toward more tyranny, less freedom. I'm very, I'm very disappointed that people would vote for this. Okay, and I, actually, Unclear if it's related, but I'll just throw in this story. So there was an amazing announcement um, in Washington. Um, it was announced by the FBI that they had uncovered a massive, sophisticated commercial sex ring. I mean, it's a prostitution ring, a sex ring. So this, this is maybe tied in. So you had three people um, who uh, were arrested as the um, primary people who run it. And I, I think they all had the same last name. It might be brothers or cousins. But in any case, there was a massive sex ring, sophisticated commercial sex ring, Massachusetts, East Virginia, um, Watertown, Cambridge, Tyson's, which is right outside of Washington, D.C., Fairfax, Virginia, right outside of Washington. And part of what they, the FBI allowed, allowed to, and told us is these people who had this massive sex ring, if you wanted to be a, they had obviously offering women and they had women, you know, uh, pictures, so you could see who you might get. But the men who were participating in this, they had to use their real name, their real uh, identifying information, contact information in order to be part of this. So now understand what the FBI has. They have all this information. They didn't have it already, which we don't know. If they didn't have it, they have it now. From this sex ring, they have all of these people in Washington, D.C., likely some clients of this massive sex ring. Clients have not yet been divulged, just the name of the three people running it. But the fact that the FBI introduced this, exposed it to the public, hey, look what we've uncovered, a massive sex ring, multi-state, you know, um, grotesque abuse of women, uh, sex trafficking, obviously, and also that the clients all had to sign in with their real identifying information. You know, I'm telling you, and I, I get worried that the FBI uh, conducts itself in a way to, so that many people in positions of power in Washington cannot really vote the way they want to do. They cannot really speak with it. They can't say what they want to say because the FBI has something on so many people. And I understand people think, oh, that's a conspiracy theory. But in this case, the FBI now has names, identifying information, people who are clients of this sex ring. And I'm going to guess in Washington, D.C., with offices in Tyson's and Fairfax, you know, right outside of D.C., some of those people are in positions of power in Washington. 
and are now more known to the FBI, and they are therefore owned by the FBI as to what you're going to fund, what you're going to pay for, what you're going to do, how, how you're going to change FBI's, you know, the statutes that govern FBI's scope of authority, all of that. The FBI says, well, you know what, we got you, and so we, we know who you are, what you did, so here's how you're going to vote. I, I hate to sound so cynical, and I do understand that um, that there are many good and noble and decent people in Washington, in both parties. There are noble, good, and decent people, lawmakers, uh, people employed in the bureaucracies. There are lawful and good and, and, and right-thinking people in the FBI. But this story, I mean, this, you know, the timing, someone told me the timing was that the vote actually changed. The vote was going to be no on funding this massive $300 million new um, FBI headquarters. Yeah, $300 million. Um, and then the FBI announces this uh, exposure, this sex ring, and all of a sudden, um, some votes changed. Now, I don't know that that's the case, but I will say, um, I think the power of the FBI is, is, is too massive. It is too, uh, due to um, the, the massive security state we live in, the collection of data of every conceivable kind. Uh, people don't um, have a sense of privacy. They don't have a sense of their, their lives being their own. And, and when you are the FBI and you want a certain direction to happen, it's really easy to use what you've gathered and go to the people who's, you know, about whom you have information, just say, you know what? We need you to do this and not that. And what are those people going to do? We can do, uh, cover this another day because I'm about out of time. I am out of time. I'll quickly tell you, as I do at the close of every show, why the stories we talked about today matter to you. So we started our day talking about United Nations and other globalists condemn America. Understand where globalists and secularism leads. Globalism and secularism leads. Scathing UN report condemns America for free speech rights restrictions on abortion, limits on genital mutilation of children, and death penalty for murderers. Soros, Gates-funded globalists, think tanks, urge shutting down the U.S. military in service to climate change alarmism. This is why MAGA resonates with so many Americans. This is why Donald Trump is viewed as a threat. MAGA and Trump are right. U.N. globalists are wrong. And on Rana, the RNC, and Vivek's take, Vivek's take, Vivek Ramaswamy used GOP presidential debate stage to launch a specific attack on inept and ineffective RNC and RNC chairwoman Ronna McDaniel. Vivek's take resonated with millions of GOP voters. The RNC has been consistently timid and weak regarding the January 6th prisoner's treatment, 2020 election rigging, and Biden criminality. The RNC does need new blood, new energy. That's why I'm running for RNC committee woman for Texas. Check out Debbie G for RNC.com. And finally, FBI gets lavish new headquarters because good behavior. Okay, that was a smart aleck thing. They, they do, do not have good behavior on their uh, record. Does the FBI need a headquarters that's twice the size of the Pentagon? FBI shutdown of high-end DC brothels coincident with the timing of congressional vote on new FBI headquarters prompted widespread speculation. Is this how the FBI secures new funding? By threatening exposure of high-end brothel clients. This is GOP weakness exemplified. FBI is Gestapo-like in pursuit of the January 6th protesters. FBI does nothing whatsoever in pursuit of Antifa, Black Lives Matter, or even the very recent dangerous Hamas protesters. And the GOP rewards the FBI with a police state headquarters that dwarfs the Pentagon. This is indefensible, greenlighting ongoing assaults on the freedom of the American people. And that, my very fine friends, is America Can We Talk for today. On our Thursday show this week, we have a gentleman named Ammon Blair, who is an amazing expert on the question, and I've had this question, 
Why do we have impending food shortages? What is the reason for alleged impending food shortages? What is the reason for this supposed uh, supply chain disruption coming? Is it all organic or is there something more to it? He's our guest on Thursday. Tune in then. My name is Debbie Georgiatis. This is America Can We Talk. I do this show Tuesdays and Thursdays to talk truth about America because America matters. And I will talk to you next time. Can we talk truth about America? Can you hear-